What's up, y'all? Today we have with us Corey, Mr. Hanky Denard. Mr. Hanky is a hit-making producer of City Girl Smash Hit Twerkulator and has constructed club-cracking anthems for Young Jeezy, Poochman, Nicki Minaj, Yo Gotti, and Young Dog. His music became radio mainstays with two chart-topping singles, California, featuring Young Dolph and T.I., and the RIAA Gold Certified Smash on the Way, featuring DJ Luke Nasty. The most recent hit, Smile Bitch, Living My Best Life by Lil Duvall, featuring Snoop Dogg and Ball Greasy, which was also RIAA Gold Certified, and number one billboard on Urban Radio for six weeks, R&B charts for 12 weeks, and number four, Rhythmic Radio. Mr. Hanky has added the role of A&R to some of today's premier artists, such as 2 Chainz, BRS Cash, Lotto, Rennie Rucci, Erica Banks, and Queen Naja. Everybody, welcome my friend, Mr. Hanky. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Renee Gibson, the one and all. <laughs> we, do, we doing full governments today. <laughs> hey, you know, we, we keeping it professional. We're keeping it very profesh, very profesh. Um, so, like I said, like I was telling you, Corey, I like to have people on who do just, you know, careers that aren't the traditional careers, because I want to show people there's so much opportunity out there and there's so many different lanes that you can go through to get to where you want to get, right? And so, um, yeah, that's what we're going to hop into that conversation as a music producer and some of the things that you've done and the route that you've taken. But before we do that, before we get into the serious part, before we get too professional, people want to know who you are, okay? And so we like to play a little game called The People Want to Know, okay? So, first and foremost, if you could hear any song again for the first time, what would it be? That would definitely be uh, Twerculator. Okay. We, we just going to throw out our own hits? Is that what we're going to do? Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe another song that's not mine. I would probably say uh, Get Low by Lil Jon and the Yin Yang Twins. Oh. That's a good one too. That's a good one too. That still can come on in the club and people will go off. And twerkulator gonna be that same way. The kids gonna be twerkulating for the next decades, okay? Crazy. <laughs> I love it. So who are your top three producers of all time? Are you in that list? Yeah, me, Corey Denar, and Mr. Hankey. <laughs> I love it because if you don't love you, who gonna love you, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, an honorable mention. You got like, you got like Jermaine, not Jermaine, uh, Doctor Dre, okay, Jones, and um, what's the guy that did all of Michael Jackson stuff? Uh, Rodney Chipperton, I want to say, something okay. like that. Yeah, okay. I, I'm having brain fart right now. Okay, that's. I, uh, Dr. Dre, Quincy Jones, and like uh, Prince. Okay, so this is gonna yeah. come out a little bit later, but we're coming off the heels of the Super Bowl. How do you feel about Dr. Dre's halftime performance? Man, it was everything it needed to be because it was the first time that we actually the NFL is seventy percent black. Okay, come on. As far as the players. Um, 
And, you know, it's time, you know, the coaching, the execs, even the Super Bowl needs to reflect that. That part. Um, you know what I mean? So, because last time it was here in Atlanta, you know, it was very disappointing because we didn't get a chance to showcase our blackness and our, our what Atlanta really stood for. They had like the, some country band that only 10% of the actual population of the state of Georgia knew who they were. Mm-hmm. And, um, they kind of threw in Big Boy at the end, you know, but we didn't get a chance to show what it was. So I was very disappointed in that, but I think they got it right in LA. So shout out to LA for that. And Dr. Dry, I think it was what we needed. Um, and it showed real for the first time what representation of the actual NFL actually is. Yeah, I love that. That's so true. Like you said, first of all, you know, the NFL and and our people have been through a lot. <laughs> We've had a lot Mom. of discrepancies. So for them to act like they want to give back, you know, or they want to recognize some of the wrongs of their ways, well, show up. You know, show up and not only that, show a reflection of that city. You know, when you think of LA, you don't think of Snoop. You don't think of Dr. Dre, you know? So for them to actually let them have the spotlight and do it the way that we would do it was at Kendrick. I mean, it was, oh, no. it was epic. And I'm proud of Eminem for, for taking a knee, you know, for being the and I didn't want about to come back around to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't forget our, uh, our albino brother, Eminem. <laughs> and he, you know, he showed, I'm an ally, you know, I'm going, I'm going to go ahead and take that knee for y'all. Cause y'all might get some backlash if y'all do it, but I'll do it. <laughs> I'll take one for the team. And it is what it is. I think that's what's needed in equality. You know? um, where other people who aren't like us, uh, you know, they like to say all lives matter, but they don't show up at the right time. So shout out to Eminem, you know, he did that, man. And that, I think, you know, all white people, um, non-people of non-melanin pigmentation should take a page for that and be like, hey, oh, that's what it is. They cost you anything. You know what I'm saying? Nothing. They cost you nothing. Yeah. to say, hey, oh, I get what y'all are going through. Cool. A lot of black people changed my life. They they helped me out. You know, y'all didn't help me. So I. <laughs> what a, what a girl, huh? You know what I'm saying? You know, it's just one of those things. I think it was, I think it was dope, man. It was, they finally got it right. They get this culture thing right. And this exact thing right. We might be able to do something. Yeah. And when you think about it, it's not just us that listen to hip hop. You know, a big part of the con- consumering of of, of hip-hop is white people. You know, these kids love hip-hop. So, come on. It's in all think, the shows, all the movies. I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions. They think that hip-hop is just strictly Black. Yeah. Um, nah, it's definitely a global thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's taken over hip-hop, uh, hip-hop, rap, trap, whatever you want to call it, whatever, whatever name you want to give it to, um, has definitely, it's the new pop music. Yeah. And understand pop music is not necessarily a sound it's just what's popular so it's been that and um even edm is a spinoff of rap music they don't do nothing but remix what we do anyway mm-hmm. anyway that's all this is no we're gonna spiral into a whole nother conversation but that was good and it needed to be talked about so what shows are you watching right now mr hankey <sighs> uh besides uh what's the one 
it's so many new shows out right now, man. Netflix got good shows out. Um, but I watch a lot of, I ain't gonna lie, I watch a lot of the new shows, but I watch a lot of the still the old shows, honestly. Mm-hmm. I watch Martin religiously. Mm-hmm. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air religiously. Uh, anything that comes on that the BET reruns, I still watch that. Thing. Same. Like, I could go line for line on any Martin episode. That and A Different World, those are my shows. Living Single. Single, yes. Yeah, so like, you, we forget, we've, had some, we've had some hit shows. You know, like we try to, because they don't get the recognition that some of the other shows get, I feel like sometimes they get forgotten, but we've got some hits, okay? Major. Some, some major hits. Have you watched the new Bel Air? I haven't. I've seen a couple of, um, you know, commercials for it, but I'm, I'm looking forward to tapping in with it. I've only it looks- watched, yeah, I only watched the first half of the first episode, but it was already pretty good, so. And yeah. if you said it, has got to be good. I mean, take my word for it, okay? <laughs> All right, let's hop into this interview. Give the people what they came here for. So you've been doing music for a long time. Tell me your earliest memory with music. Um, my first, in, well, just music in general starts from day one with my mother. She's a uh, classic, classically trained musician. Okay. Um, she, plays piano and pipe organ and Hammond organ, all this stuff. Um, so this starts from day one with me. Um, and then my sister and I both are trained as well. My sister, her principal instrument is clarinet. Mine was trumpet and piano. Hers is clarinet and piano. And she's currently a band director. So it, it ran deep from then. And then after that, uh, with the Southern University playing in the band from high school, Southern University played in the band. And while I was there, I started DJing parties. And I figured out, you know, I just really started, you know, analyzing, you know, movements and behaviors of people while I was DJing. And I was noticing what made this group of girls who really, they don't really dance anything. They kind of stuck up. And I was like, hey, that song got them up. Okay, cool. I saw these dudes over here who thought they were too cool and thought they was hard, you know what I'm saying? And I put on, like, before I let go, and they started doing the electric slide. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, dang. So um, I started making, you know, you know, beats in my dorm room or whatnot, and I just started applying that to what I'm doing now. That was going to be my next question. So what were some of them songs that got the people moving? Who got the Bougie Girls moving? The bougie girls, they like, uh, I mean, it's still the same songs to this day that get the bougie girls going to back that ass up by Juvenile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, any one of those type of songs, the Single Ladies by Beyonce, um, you know, the, any of the songs that basically said, I don't need a man for shit. Right. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> any song by Rihanna, okay. Um, any one of those, uh, oh, nah, nah, what's the name? Any one of those records, just real sexy records. Um, and you'll be surprised, even some of the hard stuff, like Pretty Girls Do Love Trap Music, you know what I'm saying? Um, I would say Gucci Man and Jeezy, and they would, they would be singing it word for word. I'm like, 
That's it. That's it. Especially down south. Especially down south. And you were born and raised in Atlanta. So you remember the emergence of Southern hip hop. What did that feel like growing up in that city? Uh, it was different, man, because, you know, for so long, all we had was a lot of like, um, you know, when one of the first hip hop records I ever heard was like uh, Planet Rock. Okay. Um, and that's the same song I sampled uh, for um, Twerkulator. But we had a lot of dance music, local dance music at the time, like this guy named Kilo Ali, um, Raheem the Dream. And around the time Outkast came out, they was like our first, first nationwide hip hop uh, artist. Uh, we had locals like Ghetto Mafia and those type of people. But, um, you know, it was it was a thing to watch because it happened so quickly. Mm -hmm. I'm saying it was we went from just being like locals, then Freaknik came and mm. whole world started coming there. Then um, you know that's what really did a lot between Freaknik and the DJs yeah. um, and people coming you know in town hearing this music that made the girls go crazy. And then Outkast came out and Trey said the South got something to say. And when you look back, it's almost 30 years now. Damn, it was 30 years. Sheesh. Yes. No, but I love that you break it down like that because it did just feel like it came out, being from the East Coast, it felt like it kind of came out of nowhere because we had never heard that sound before, you know? And you, right. the South has a very distinctive sound, you know? And you hear that and you know, okay, they from somewhere down South. And to like hear that, how evolved from Freaknik and, you know, you know, I was a little bit too young to go back then, you know, to Freaknik, but you hear about those stories and just like how, you know, just how much it meant to that city and how much people would come from all over to, to travel for this big event, you know? So that's, man, it's cool to hear the history of that. And you know what's even crazier is like now just watching the evolution of the Southern sound, you know, like people like to repackage it. They like to call it EDM. They like to call it drill music up north. Mm -hmm. Nothing but South Atlanta music rewrapped or repackaged uh, because there was a time when you could tell where artists were from based off of how the music sound. Yeah. Like most Chicago artists sounded like early Kanye early comment now they sound like they're from Bankhead yeah. and you know same thing with New York I mean it's the Atlanta sound has really taken over even on the west coast there are artists that they sound like they're from here I didn't know Roddy Rich um spent a lot of time here um during his come up but you know just hearing him when he officially came out I thought he was from around the corner yeah yeah it shows the influence the south has had on music period you know and when you think about it too like a lot of black people have migrated from the south anyway <laughs> so oh, no. you think I'll, about it yeah you know, you know where we all came from from the south we all got grandmama's cousins uh aunties nephews that live here so exactly. you know no matter where you're from if you're black you're probably taking a trip to the south Absolutely. For the summer or mm -hmm. well, family reunion or something, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you create your first beat? Uh, it happened at, at Southern while I was in college. I, like I said, this this new program that was, it was, it's so it's a standard now. It's like the funniest shit ever to me right now. I remember when I first got a hold of Fruity, Fruity Loops 
And um, I was just, you know, figuring stuff out while I was working in the computer lab at school. And uh, now it's like an industry standard. So it all started. Yeah. I got the, I got the program for free when it first came out. Like it was experimental. So wow. it was crazy. That's cool yeah. to hear. And so you just took those sounds that you noticed that everyone was dancing to and created your first beat. Yeah, because honestly, I was on some real like hip hop stuff when I first started making um, production because, you know, that was it was cool. Everybody was on the Jay-Z wave and stuff and the sampling with uh, Kanye West and all that good stuff. So I had a variety of stuff. And uh, I remember that's when I first met Boosie a long time ago. He probably don't even remember. Mm -hmm. um, he was at Baton Rouge as well. But um, yeah, around that time and um, it just went up from there. We're just making music just to sit around in the dorm room and, and freestyle and do college activities too. And that was it, you know, we was in the in the studio, I mean, um, the dorm room vibing. We called the dorm room a studio, but you know. <laughs> I was gonna ask you that you brought up sampling. How, what is that process like? Cause I know you're, you're known for taking samples and making them your own. What is that process like getting cleared and all that good stuff? Uh, it's, it can sometimes be very challenging. Um, but how initially how I got started sampling, it wasn't even intentional. I just was, when I did, um, I used a lot of samples early on in my career, but I just knew how to hide them and yeah. took them. And, um, a lot of times it's a process, um, now because, you know, it's pretty popular. So, right. you know, a lot of times it can, it can be a headache, um, in the process. Yeah, they want their money now. <laughs> you know, it's the type of thing I try to tell people, like, really, you know, take the time and hire somebody. They have actual services, companies that clear samples for you. Okay. So sometimes artists think they got to, oh, I got to call Michael Jackson to have a conversation. Yeah, they, them people don't want to talk to you. Right. <laughs> they talk, talk to my people. Right. Like, they have people that you pay to go you 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 sample the record and before you put it out it's very key people listen to this do not put the song out without it getting clear okay that's the easiest way for you to lose anything because you lose all negotiating power you have no say so at that point if you put it out without it being cleared or at least having a conversation that they're aware of it um you you record the record do what you do to it send it to the proper company they reach out to the writers of the song and the person that owns the publishing. Okay. And that's very key because a lot of people think like, uh, like Kaya got mad at somebody for sampling my neck, my back, and they never talked to her. Kaya don't, don't own the rights to her song. Mm. So they went and talked to whoever owned the rights to the song. And then that person told Kaya, this is what you're going to get paid. This is what we negotiated. And this is what it is. The song, the deal is done. Wow. So it's, it's a very big business. Um, and once you do that, you know, you decide on, um, you know, they give you a number, usually a flat rate. Um, you pay that, that money and negotiate on the percentage of the song that that person is going to own. And that's it. It's really very simple. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Have you ever gotten caught up in that where something was released prior to clearing? Or? 
boy. <laughs> like I said, uh, I always refer back to City Girls Turkey It was an eye-opening experience. Okay. Because initially we were told, we were told no mm-hmm. about they they refused. They didn't want to clear the sample at first. And there's two samples, it's uh, Percolator and Planet Rock. And um, my DJ background, you know, the kid in me, the nostalgic part of me, I was like, oh man, this is gonna be crazy. This is gonna be crazy. People ain't heard Planet Rock in a minute. We finna kill them, we finna kill them. And I didn't know that this old school group called Kraftwerk, the old German electronic group, okay? So I didn't know Planet Rock was sampled from them. I had no idea. So when we was talking about it, they was like, yeah, man, Kraftwerk said no. I said, who, the, who is Kraftwerk? What are you talking about? <laughs> I thought we had to do African Bambada, but no. Um, there was a, a lot of stuff with samples. Even back then, people were sampling. There, Renee, this is the thing about it. And I, I laugh when people say stuff like this. They like, oh, people now, they're still not creative. And I was like, you do realize there's nothing new under the sun. Okay. Okay. So for a song to sound good and pleasing to the ear, it has to kind of remind you of nostalgia. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I realize is there's literally a sample, even if you play something over or just play something that you think is creative, there's so much music out there, so much music that I guarantee you there's only so many combinations that notes go together that sound right together. There's somebody that could sue for copyright infringement for every song, whether it's a lyric, a melody, a drum pattern, the whole night. So, you know, um, but that one was one because uh, Turculator got leaked. Mm. Okay, it got leaked on the album leak. And it was a nightmare. It was it was exciting, but it was a nightmare because I never had nothing happen like that before. Right. And luckily for me, from my end, I didn't have to deal with that because it definitely didn't come from me. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to do the whole album. So I had access to my song. Um, and when the song got, re- it was such a roller coaster. Like you go from being excited about this song coming out and then you get told, no, they're not going to clear it. So you got to be like, okay, well, on to the next one. The drawing board, yeah. Then you go to dinner or a bar, and somebody, you're looking at your Instagram and Twitter, and people for a whole year was telling me to release the twerculator. It was at me. On Twitter, my Twitter and my Instagram was in shambles because <laughs> girls weren't, they weren't replying to none of them but they heard my tag on it and somebody told them that I was the person oh, okay. and their whole fan base was coming for my neck. I had people in my DMs offering me money to send them to, like, it was, it was wild. Wow. Five, year. For a year. A and it year. took that long to get it clear. Yeah, because for the, okay, initially, like I said, when it, it initially got leaked, everybody was like, oh, okay, what happened? Okay, cool. Um, but then at that point, I was thinking it was gonna die down. Nobody was gonna, you know, cool, whatever. And I just kept seeing like, you know, it went down for a minute 
Then around October, November, it disappeared. I was like, okay, cool. Nobody's mm-hmm. working. Keep in mind, it got leaked in June of 2020. Mm-hmm. Maybe June of 2020. So it didn't die down to October. Okay. And I'm thinking it's done. Woo. Man, January 1st hit. And somebody was like, man, congratulations. People just kept telling me, congratulations. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so it went on for like a couple of months. I'm like, why you? I stopped somebody. I was like, why Why you? Why everybody keeps telling me congratulations? It's like, oh, your song is going crazy on uh, TikTok. I was like, what you mean it's going crazy on TikTok? It's like, there's a dance to the twerkulator on TikTok. I was like, how? <laughs> how is this happening? It's not on Apple Music. It's not on Spotify, to my knowledge. And some kind of way they got a hold of it. And the girl, Charlie, that was the, the main big dancer on TikTok. She went crazy to it. And um, I, when I went to her page and checked it out, it was like at 8 million TikToks. Wow. On her page alone. So that's when I hit up Coach K from QC. I said, hey, dog, happy new year. But I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, <laughs> we need to go reach back out to them folks and uh, see what we can do. And um, that was it. We worked it out. And like a month and a half later, it just blew up, blew yeah. up. Love yes. to see it though, love to see it. So you mentioned that you were in the Southern University marching band, Human Jukebox. Yes, ma'am. What did that experience like teach you in terms of how you create music today? How did it impact how you create music today? Uh, not only did it affect my music, it just affected me and life in a positive way. Yeah. Just to very disciplined about what I'm doing and very, very, very intentional. Um, Cause while we was there, you know, a lot of schools, you know, they considered us to be what the top band. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I learned, I used to think on the outside looking in that they would practice um, almost 20 hours a day, the way it looked, the way it sound. But when I got inside, I realized there was a system. There was a reason why. We only practice maybe two, two and a half, maybe three hours a day at the most. Okay. But I learned because it's like, it's a system. It's a real deal system. Okay. For this amount of time, we're going to work on this. All right. This is our objective for the day. It taught me how to prioritize mm-hmm. even in my process. So it's like, now I just thought of an idea to do a song talking to you right now. I already know how I'm going to do it. And when I go sit down, I just have know, to do let it. me know if you need my vocals. <clears throat> That's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> just kidding. You don't want that. <laughs> years now, so <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh it definitely affected just the process of it and just the ch- taking chances on stepping outside the box, not doing what what is so popular and just going left all the time. One thing about all the records I've always had is why everybody's doing all this, I'll always go left. And that's why. I love it. And it's worked for you. Okay. It is working for you. So you mentioned how you got started. You found this program. You you were working in the computer lab? Yes. Yes. I was working at the computer lab at Southern University uh, under Dr. Ryder. 
he's retired now, but uh, he he's one of the ones that taught me. I was actually going to be a band director, uh, and uh, but it was wild that he and one of the other band directors they're like real advocates for music educations and teachers and stuff, and uh, they both pulled me to the side. It was like you don't need to be no teacher. Mm. You need to do this. I was like, do what? He's like, you're good at this. So normally in the education setting, that's not happening. You know, they're saying, hey, man, you should be, you know, we need more right. education. Mm -hmm. like, uh, they was like, nah, this ain't for you. You you deserve, you need to be out there. Yeah. So it happened on the computer lab. Okay. I love it. The mentorship. Okay, so how would you say networking, like you just said, building those relationships, how has that uh, made an influence on how successful you've become? Everything, everything. Like um, I, tell, I tell up and coming people or people just trying to do anything in any kind of space, whether it's creatively or business, um, your network is everything because I'm pretty sure, I mean, I'm pretty sure the people who can make beats better than me or sound better, people that can rap better, people that can, you know, do this. No matter how dope you are, there's somebody doper, but they don't have the necessary connections to get that or to have the conversation to even get from point A to point B. Right. So the, the, the biggest, the most important part of the music industry is when the music's not playing. Mm -hmm. people really don't get that when I say that all the time it's like what do you do when the music stops yeah. what's going on what's your plan so I think um, and it's not even just from the part of working with execs it's more the part of networking counts and I see a lot of people they clout chase they, they only want to network with the people who got blue checks on social media mm -hmm. or they work label i didn't even know i had a blue check um it was crazy people were telling me congratulations again and i didn't know what was going on <laughs> and it was like you should have a blue check party i was like what what is that about it's like you're verified i was like oh okay they don't send right. you an email or nothing they just they just throw it up there um they probably did but i didn't check it <laughs> i was like okay cool whatever um but Networking extends to security guards, bartenders, um, just everybody, because everybody is, they know somebody's, everybody's somebody's cousin, somebody's girlfriend, somebody's little sister. And I try my best to treat everybody as if they're the CEO. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's how I got, that's how I got a lot of stuff with the twerker, uh, with the city girls. Um, the guy that hooked me up, we end up right. He ended up writing on the song as well, um, and he just—I had met him on some kicky stuff at a studio with this other artist that really wasn't going nowhere, and he just called me out the blue one day. He's like, "Hey man, I'm going to Studio City Girls. You got something for me?" I'm like, "Okay, cool." I didn't know if he was lying. Mm -hmm. I really knew these people, but I treated him as if. He was Coach K. I treated him if him as he was the CEO to QC. You know what I'm saying? So, and you see what happened. Same thing with Queen Naja uh, with her record. Uh, my boy EJ, who's a engineer at the studio, she records it. 
he just called me out the blue one day. He's like, hey, man, Queen Naja in here. Pull up. I didn't know if he was lying or not. I got there. It was really Queen Naja in there. And she was like, hey, I want to do this song called Love is Blind. And I want to take this Eve sample. And we started out right then and there. Wow. That's everything, not just in the music industry. You know, like in whatever industry you're in, the way you treat people always comes back around. Like you said, you don't know who you're talking to. You don't know who they're connected to. And you don't know, even if they are the janitor now, you don't know what they're going to work their way up to, you know? And it's just, just a good way to live life, period. You know, treat people how you want to be treated. You get taught that as a kid. But it's very, very important. And you hear that so much about how someone was nice to the assistant. And that assistant, believe it or not, has a lot more say than you would think with the higher up and now they put in a good word for you because of how you treated them. So people need to just keep that, like ain't nobody above anybody else. Come on now. Everybody's just as important as the next person and you'll see it, it benefits you. There you go. Um, so when you're making a beat, I know sometimes someone might just tell you to pull up so you have a, a particular artist that you're working with, but like when you just go in the lab by yourself, is there a particular artist you typically have in mind? Like what is the creative process for you? Um, I definitely got an artist in mind. Like I said, going back to my training at Ben, I learned how to be intentional with my time. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm like, okay, this would be great for this person. And I already got the beat made in my mind. I probably got a hook in my mind, what the song need to be about, if it's a, a feature on it. And like, I think that's the difference between the beat maker and the producer. Yeah. I'm not sending out beats and stuff. I'm literally pulling up on you or we having a FaceTime. I'm like, yo, you need the song need to be about this. Okay. You need to have a thing on it. And I might sing a reference to it. I might, you know, cause I got, I got vocals too. <clears throat> okay, me, 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 me. Um, <laughs> Um, I might, you know, put a vocal, I might put a, a reference on it just to give us a guidance on it um, and, and really put it together. And at that point, you know, just about what fits with artists, you know, every artist might not get it. And you just, okay, if that artist don't get it, cool. I'll send it to this artist. You just got to keep shooting your shot. Okay. Okay. And I think most musicians have a little bit of voice, even if it's a little bit, because you got to be able to find the key and make sure you're in tune and all that good stuff. So I'm sure you got, you got them in there. You got some, uh, some boys, of men or something back there, right? You know, I got a little, um, <laughs> bass thing going on. Okay. Oh, you got some, um, some Barry White. That's a Barry White. <laughs> I don't want to get everybody, all the women excited, you know. Exactly. You know, they go. You know, look, you thought, you, you thought your DMs was flooded before. They really about to go crazy. Talk about congratulations. OK. <laughs> OK, so tell us about the first time you heard one of your records on the radio or in the club. Describe that feeling. Um, I probably had the worst reaction to it because <laughs> uh, first time I heard one of my songs on the radio. <laughs> I did the most nigga shit that you're not supposed to. <laughs> What'd you do? So I was working at General Motors for like three, four months um, before they closed here in Atlanta. My dad used to work. He was kicking trash cans. Is that what you were <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the radio. I'm out even, of here. <laughs> even worse. <laughs> I was on some Dave Chappelle shit. I was like, I'm rich, bitch. You know what I mean? 
Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was a a, a Monday. I never forget. And uh, it was like in the dog days of summer. It was like a thousand degrees in there. And uh, it was a song called Never Slipping by this group called the Cadillac Boys. So the Cadillac Boys decided to college park music and uh, D-Lo Entertainment, which is Kirk Rashida from Love of Hip Hop. Okay. So make a long story short, I came out of my shift. It was like three o'clock in the afternoon. And literally, I cut on the radio, it was hot. Took my shirt off, I'm sitting up there, I was like, oh, it's hot. They call. I cut the radio on 1079 Atlanta, and my song was being played. I heard my tag, it's three o'clock on the dot. And I just sat there in the car. I was like, damn, this is crazy. Like in the middle of the day, not late at night, not three o'clock. Right. During the afternoon, the whole city is hearing this. Mm -hmm. So I was like, it's crazy. This is really working. It really can work. So I went to the studio later on that night. Congratulations, you know, kicking it with the fuzz. Now, keep in mind, I was supposed to be back at work at six in the morning. <laughs> I went to the liquor store. VSOP. Yes. It's a pint of it. And so normally I'll be, be in the bed by like 9, 10, because I got to be at the place at 6. I didn't leave the studio till like 1.30. <laughs> we ran through that whole bottle of Remy. Hey, I got home. Nobody's diving in the morning. I woke up, and, and the guy over me, I was a manager as well. I was a supervisor manager as well. And he called me. He said, hey, man, where you at? I picked up the phone. I said, hey, man, look, I'm not coming in. <laughs> I said, I'm not, I'm not coming in. He said, what you mean? You sick? I said, I got a song on the radio. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> Click. <laughs> Other adjectives as well. <laughs> Cause he had been he had been messing with me anyway, so I was already over it anyway. But that was just my confirmation. Mm -hmm. and dude called me. He he was blowing me up, man. He's like, man, all right, man, come on, let's 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 talk about it, man. Come on in, just whenever you get here, we'll talk about it. I said, there's nothing to talk about. <laughs> Got a song on the radio. I'm rich as fuck. I don't need this. <laughs> I don't have. I told. <laughs> I, when I tell you, I went off on the deep end. I was like, I don't have those are broke problems. I don't have those. Not those are broke problems. <laughs> you said I'm rich. I'm rich. Now, keep in mind, I'm still like hungover, like to the max, right? And I'm literally hang. I'm literally leaning over the bed, like, yeah, I'm not done. I'm literally talking. The worst decision I ever did, but luckily it worked out. Luckily, because <laughs> I'm gonna lie, I probably would have done the same thing. Like, this is my break, this is my opportunity. I ain't seen that check yet, but guess what? I'm rich. <laughs> okay. And see, that was the that was the most iconic moment. Then I started hearing it in the club. And you know, honestly, no matter how many songs you get or whatever, how many hits you have, it's like that never gets old. Like 
you know, you have an idea, like, like even with your podcast, you know, you started here and that's that, you know, the Renee Gibson show, Come on. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you the, Cause they were saying you the, the modern day Oprah and stuff that'll never get old. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those things like even now, like I'm thankful for it. It's wild to have an idea. Even like, I think it'll work and have the, to, the tenacity to stay with it. And then you're in the club or the arena and they stick your stuff word for word. Right. Now that's got to be. Right. I mean, you're in an arena in a stadium, 60, 70,000 people and they going crazy. Yeah. There's no feeling in, like, in, like even when I did live in my best life, that probably was the craziest one of all time because that wasn't even planned. That was just, let's try something. We was only supposed to be in the studio for like 10 minutes to do an intro for another record. We did that. And while we was in there kicking it, I was like, man, let's let's do a song to that, that smile thing you're doing. It was like, all right, cool, let's try it. And then we did it. It started as a uh, just an experiment. The next time we got in the studio, he's like, hey, man, we need to get Snoop on this. Snoop did his verse, and he put a part in the hook. Yeah, he was like, man, who else we need to get on it? It just kept building, mm-hmm. kept building. So it, it never gets stalled. So it started as an intro. Yeah, so he actually, we linked up to do an intro for another song for this guy named Bebe out of Dallas. He's a um, big time radio DJ. Matter of fact, the song A Bebe is about him. Okay. It's, they play my song, turn it up. So shout out to Bebe, man. Um, and um, we did that. And it took about 10, 15 minutes for him to do that part on Bebe's song. And so we had the studio for like another three, four hours. So we was in there kicking it, you know, how we do. Mm-hmm. And style and just vibing. And this thing, you know, you know, I was like, you know, I pulled up some beats. He went in there and did Smile Bitch for four minutes and 20 seconds. Wow. No living my best life or nothing. No verse or nothing. Just smile, bitch, and him dancing around. And it worked, you know? So that one's the one that's always trips me out. Yeah, that's so dope. And like you said, like, it's always something, a new level for you to be excited all over again, like it's the first time. Because with Torculator, then the TikTok thing, you know, there's always some new level for you to be like man this is this is new like it's a new experience every time yeah, it's a real it's a real blessing i can't even lie it's because you know you got to keep in mind like it takes so many things for a record to be a hit so many things have to go right the timing of like there's so many things that could go wrong yeah for not to work but it takes so many things to time in who's all involved even to the point of what's going on in the world where other records are hot. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Man, you mentioned a few of them already. You had Torculator, you got Living My Best Life, California. Like you've got some of the biggest club bangers of our time. Is that always the genre you were going after? Like the up-tempo hip hop or are there other genres that you want to break into? Um. I guess that's just what resonates with me from my DJ background. Because mm-hmm. um, I do understand um, understand tempos, understand BPMs, understand vibes. 
Mm-hmm. I've done records, you know, like more of a vibey, not single-driven records, like the Lovers Brian record with uh, Queen Dodge. It's just a great record, you know what I'm saying? But it, it wasn't, that wasn't a goal. It was just, just trying to make a great record, you know what I'm saying? So there are those, but for some reason, this club and Billboard, you know, hitting the charts, it, it works well for me. Right. If it works, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. What would you recommend to someone? Because you talked about a little bit about the the journey with the inconsistencies of the music industry for someone who's looking to to break in or maybe has already broken in, but is in one of those low points. Like, how do you stay? How do you stay relevant? How do you stay motivated and keep moving with all the inconsistencies? Man, that's a that's the most amazing question. Nobody's ever asked me that. Um, hmm, you got me thinking. How I deal with it is basically, I don't get a lot of people call me humble. Um, but it ain't really. I'm really like I really be feeling myself. But <laughs> keep it real. Keep it real. Yeah, I really be feeling myself, but I've seen a lot of people come and go. Right. You know. So I still feel myself. I still know I be feeling like I'm the shit. I be feeling like my shit better than everybody. But at the same time, I don't get too high off my wins. And I don't get too low off anything else. You know what I'm saying? So I just kind of, that's one of the main approaches. Um, and I'm always looking for the next thing. Like I found this young lady, um, one of my homies introduced me to. Amazing. Amazing. But I'm always looking for what's next. Mm-hmm. I don't caught up on, you know, like even when I saw you uh, last time we saw each other with the California mm-hmm. went to uh, what Dolph's video shoot when we did California. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even then when I was out there, after I saw you, I went immediately to the studio and made like 20 other songs. You know what I'm saying? I didn't go out to I mean, we did go out later on, but I did, I got my work done. You feel me? So mm-hmm. I just stay working, stay looking on the next project, looking for the next artist, next single. Like it's, it's a nonstop thing. So that's the key. Don't stop working. Don't stop. And like you said, don't get low. I think one of the things that knocks people off is when you are in that low point, you get low with that, you know, and you have to keep working. Like you said, mm-hmm. don't stop just because things look a little dry right now. Keep working. That didn't work. What what Leah say? Brushed it off and, and try again, right? <laughs> but no, honestly, like I feel like that's one of the things. And two, I love what you mentioned too about your your the way that you work. Because I think that a lot of us feel like, you know, I'll sleep when I die. I gotta work, 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 work. You gotta work smart, okay? <laughs> you don't gotta work like to the point where you, you know, dig yourself in an early grave. You got to work smart and be intentional about your time and that again is with any uh, industry or field that you're in like like create like prioritize and create a schedule based on what is most important and getting the things done without like stressing yourself out like life is too short I I am big on celebrating okay and like you said you went out and then you went back to work (laughs) you know like I feel like you should celebrate your wins so that you don't get that burnout you know, but you are able to like, look, I did something good. Let me, let me celebrate this. Then I get back to work. And then honestly, that's why you see, that's why the divorce rate and feel is, is, is through the roof because 
I look at I look online and these guys be in the studio at three, four in the morning. Yeah. Hanging on machines. I'm like, I'm not doing that. I don't know no black woman or no woman who go go who go go for that. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm single now, but if I were to be like oh, married and with kids and stuff, like ain't no way. That's not That's happening. Life balance. Like you need that. Exactly. Like it's not it's not reality. And when you when you finally start to have kids and stuff, you don't want to look up and it'd be, you know, next thing you know, you're holding them and the next thing you know, you know, they're getting ready to go to college and walk out the door. You're like, they like I don't you. Yeah. Been in here and turning up, that's that's whack. That's so whack. That's so whack. I feel like if nothing else, this pandemic has taught people the importance of balance. You know, because yeah. I feel like that was the, the main thing, the main drive for people is like just work, work, work. Like that makes you feel proud or whatever. Yeah, you can be proud of your work, but then your family's neglected or your mm -hmm. friends are neglected. You know, the people that have been there for you when you were in your low points are not getting your time or not getting your love. So I feel like that's so important for people to learn. If nothing else, like I feel like I was like, slow down, like pace yourself and stop trying to do everything because you're not even going to be able to enjoy it yeah and i ain't gonna lie the pandemic was the best time of my life i ain't gonna lie mm -hmm. to actually sit down and not have to be nowhere right like, it's good like mm -hmm. what you got to do today oh nothing yeah i love i love that that was my excuse that i didn't have to go nowhere <laughs> Oh, you know what? It's not safe out there. It's not even safe. I can't go, you know? <laughs> I ain't right now, I'm like, you know we're in the middle of a pandemic, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's my go-to. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So what are some of your goals for the next few years? Like, where do you see yourself in the next five years? Uh, like I said, my main goal is, on the music side, is just to develop different artists. Um, because ultimately that should be the goal of any producer is not to be chasing other people's artists, but to have your own to put out as well. Uh, if you look at all the greats, look at the Super Bowl. Yeah. All those stage at some point came through Dr. Dre. Yeah. You know, there's no Snoop without that. Yeah. 50. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, Mary was the only one, but you know, that's Mary, but still. Um, that's that's the goal of musically. Uh personally, just to just to be a person, man. Like I said, just to have work life balance. Um, you know, become somebody's husband, somebody's father, you know what I mean? <laughs> just right off into the sunset, you know what I mean? I love it. I love you don't hear a lot of men say that. So I love that. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's like how much turning up can you do? I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying, like, I feel like a lot of men feel like they are invincible and that they have forever. Because I think most men want that, like, marriage and, and children is a goal. But I feel like they feel like a lot of men feel like they have forever. Well, this is the other thing, too. It's like, it's like, even when you was here in Atlanta, believe it or not, I was tired of going out then. Okay. I was, I was completely utter. I just wasn't at the level. I still needed to be out because I hadn't got to where I am now. Right. Okay. But now it's like, I'm not going nowhere. I, I know you still be out there though. You still be out. 
Ah, uh, don't let my Instagram fool you. <laughs> you working though, right? You working? No, no, Steve. This is what it is. I've learned the art of gathering content. Mm. Okay. Okay. So when I post stuff, I'm not even there. I've been gone. I've probably been gone for the maybe two weeks ago, you know, or whatnot. Yeah. So I don't know the real time, you know. So Yeah, yeah. No, I think that that's that's really cool. And I feel like a lot of um a lot of men need to be honest about that, you know, about what they really want, because I think that and that's why I have, you know, my other show where we talk about that and trying to bridge the gap between men and women, because I think there's a lot of miscommunication about what we really want in the long term. And it's the same thing. We just go about it differently. That's all it is. That's all. Well, and the other part, like, I'm going to be honest, like, most of us are stupid. When I say stupid, I mean men, okay? Mm -hmm. We're, because um, we live in a fantasy world to where, like, we feel as if, like, once we get in a relationship or we get married, we're going to be missing out on all these other trillions of the women of the world. That, <laughs> that don't even know that most of us exist. Right. And so the truth, I mean, and then like the meme says, you know, social media thinking everybody got a million options. It's the worst thing ever. It's social media got everybody thinking Ooh. that, mm. that they access to everybody and it's not the case you know what i'm saying yeah because so yeah like you you don't it's so funny like you said we look at social media and we think that we can get what we see other people you're not even in the same rooms as those people you know what i mean you don't have the same access as those people and I'm <laughs> we, want, we want the red bottoms we want all the things we see these people rocking and it's like girl sit down but not only that it's like you might see these people, they might look good. And then when you finally meet them and you, they open their mouth and you're just like, oh my gosh, yeah. this is an idiot. You know what I'm saying? So it's they're like, so broken. like they're so broken, they're so damaged. Like they need therapy. Like it's just, mm -hmm. it's just layers and layers of trauma. And you're looking like, okay, this yeah. ain't what I thought it was. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, uh, it's just a lot of that, that, False sense of reality, the false sense of access. That's what I like to call it. I love it. I love it. I love this conversation. It's been dope. We went from the start of your your music career to to love and and future. So you know, we got the people got a little bit of everything. Okay. I, I kind of end up like future Kanye. I fuck with them, but <laughs> my boy, my boy, Ye going out sad right now. You don't so, want, you don't want to be battling over no girl over on Instagram and the Twitter like that is not that ain't gold that that ain't p you know what I mean that ain't p that ain't it it's it's crazy not at this point in life you Kanye go sit down <laughs> crazy so but that's why I'm putting out my own singles now I got a um single with Erica Banks okay um, party record called Nettie Twerk, Erica Bates featuring uh, Ricky Coins. We just got added to BET Jams yesterday. Yeah. Uh, about to put us out 100% independent through my label, uh, cultural, uh, cultural Resources. So, you know, I'm thinking about the future. I'm thinking about long-term stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm getting ready to put out another single too with Moneybag, yo. Somebody else, one of these other female rappers, you know, go crazy. Go crazy. Do it. And you're doing it. We're proud of you. I love to see it. Keep doing what you're doing. This has been an amazing conversation. Thank you for joining. 
say that again. I'm proud of you. Oh, thank you, sir. Yeah. Actually, I actually watch your podcast and stuff, so I've seen it grow. Like, I've seen it grow. I appreciate it because sometimes the people closest to you don't even be, you know, supporting. So I appreciate all the support. Yeah, I'm liking this stuff. So like, people, man, that's a whole nother conversation. Like, mm, mm. ain't it I'm, though? <laughs> That's a whole nother podcast, but no, let the people know where they can find you, how they can keep up with everything that you're doing. Um, they can follow me on all social media at a Mr. Hanky B A M R H A N K Y B E A T. I'm on everything. Um, I'm mostly on Instagram, but I'm about to get back on Twitter, uh, TikTok a lot, Twitter. I'll, I'll be on all of them. You're going to be doing some of them TikTok challenges. We're going to see yeah. you. <laughs> How are we going to see you doing the twerking later? <laughs> what are we going to see you doing? Uh, I, nah. Nah, it's for the ladies. I got I to draw the line on some of that stuff, man. <laughs> some of that stuff just ain't meant for grown men to be doing. You know, it's, right. yeah, you right. know. Especially the twerking later part because it's talking about a man spending money. Uh, so. Yeah, I, I can't be out there talking about these rich niggas throwing paper. It's time for the trip. Right, right. <laughs> big facts, big facts. So, Mr. Hanky, thank you again for being here. Thank you for joining, making this a dynamic duo, okay? We love to hear it, and we enjoyed you. And um, until next time. I got to get back to Atlanta. Like I said, I haven't been in Atlanta in a minute, so I'm going to come out there and come holler at you. Come on, pull up on me. I'll show you, I'll show you how I'm totally... On the whole grown stuff now. We, we we go out. It ain't gonna be the same like it was. But we, but we home by eleven. <laughs> home by eleven. <laughs> we didn't leave till midnight. So okay. <laughs> I I be in the club now. They be like, "Well, what you doing?" I said, and I have these glasses on. They can't see. Out. I mean, I knocked out. Knocked out. I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> Well, thank you again. Thank you for, for joining us. It's been fun. Thank you, everyone, for watching Name a Better Duo podcast. Until next time, I'm Renee Nicole. Have a great week. Peace out.